Hello and welcome to the Everyday Christian Podcast. I'm your host, Chase Green. This is a podcast at the Scattered Abroad Network of Podcasts. I encourage you to go over to the Scattered Abroad Network and check out every podcast that we have each day of the week. This is a podcast where we remind ourselves that God deserves every praise from every creature every day. So let's always try our best to be everyday Christians. We're continuing our study of 1 Peter chapter 4 this week. We are going to begin in verse number 1 and go down to verse 11 in 1 Peter chapter 4. Peter writes in the first part of 1 Peter 4 verse 1, Therefore, since Christ suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves also with the same mind. Peter says we're to arm ourselves for the fight against persecution. Jesus suffered. Uh, if you go back to chapter 3, verse 21, the end of it, of course, uh by the resurrection of Jesus Christ is is the only reason we can have hope of salvation. But then verse 22 says, Who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God, angels and authorities and powers having been made subject to him. I think it's fair to say that Jesus made it through the uh, suffering that he went through. Okay, well, uh, we need to make it through the suffering that we go through as well. So therefore, since Christ suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves also with the same mind. We need to be minded like Christ was minded. If you go back to uh, chapter 3 and verse number 17, it talks about it is better to suffer for doing good rather than suffering for doing evil. Well, we need to have the same mindset that Christ has. He suffered because he was good, uh, not because uh, he did any evil. He didn't do any evil at all, but he did suffer. Well, we need to be the same way. Let's go and read about the mind of Christ in the book of Philippians. We want to look at uh, Philippians 2, verses 5 through 8. Philippians 2, verses 5 through 8 says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant, and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. So Paul says that we are to have the mind of Christ. He says that the mind of Christ was that of humility and service and obedience and sacrificing himself for us. And so these are the same kinds of qualities that ought to characterize our lives as everyday Christians. We are to be humble. We are to serve others. We are to be obedient. And if necessary, we ought to be willing to sacrifice our lives for Christ. And many Christians did. Uh, during the first few centuries after the time of Christ, many Christians sacrificed their lives, literally, for Christ. Uh, even today, occasionally, it happens as well. And uh, perhaps as the world continues down its current uh, trajectory, uh, that may uh, increase in likelihood. We also need to remember that uh, as part of the Christian life, we are to present ourselves as living sacrifices uh, to Christ, Romans 12, verse 1, as we transform for Christ. And we also are to pick up our cross daily and follow after Christ, Luke 9, verse 23. Romans 13, verse 14 says, But put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lust. 
Galatians 2 verse 20 says, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. In the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Galatians 3 verse 27 talks about being baptized into Christ. And what do we do when, when we do that? We put on Christ. So we are to live like those who have put on Christ. Well, let's notice the second half of 1 Peter 4 verse 1. After it talks about being with the same mind of Christ, he also says, For he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. That is, those who suffer in the flesh uh, in context because of righteousness, we have ceased from sin. In other words, that's the reason for our suffering. I am reminded of Romans 6 verse 7 which says, For he who has died has been freed from sin. So when we put on Christ in baptism for the remission of our sins, we are set free from sin. Well, uh, we know that we're going to sin occasionally, uh, even as, as we live the Christian life. Uh, you can see First John uh, chapter 3, I believe it is, and, and also you can look at Acts chapter 8, when Simon the sorcerer became a Christian, but then he ended up sinning, and Peter tells him, Look, you need to repent and pray. We understand that we're going to commit sins from time to time, but the idea is we should not be servants of sin any longer. We should be growing. We should be increasing in uh, becoming more and more like Christ so that we sin less and less. So we are set free from sin. Well, Peter is going to get into some very important aspects of the Christian life in these next several verses. Look at verse number two, that he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh for the lust of men, but for the will of God. Christians are to give up worldly lifestyles. As a part of becoming a Christian, the initial repentance that takes place, we make that commitment. We say, hey, look, I'm going to give up sinful lifestyles. I'm going to repent. I'm going to be converted to Christ. And then after we're baptized, we continue to commit to continual growth as Christians. Uh, we arise up out of the waters of baptism as babes in Christ, but then we have to desire the sincere milk of the word so that we can grow thereby. Look at Romans chapter 6 again, verses 8 through 14. Romans 6 verses 8 through 14 say, Now if we died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. Likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it in its lust. And do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under law, but under grace. Look at 1 Peter 4 verse 3. For we have spent enough of our past lifetime in doing the will of the Gentiles when we walked in lewdness, lust, drunkenness, revelries, drinking parties, and abominable idolatries. 
In essence, Peter is saying, enough of that. Have you ever known a child who ate way too much cake? All right, Johnny, that's enough, right? What do we mean when we say that? Well, the idea is, okay, you have had enough of that cake. You don't need any more. And that's kind of what I picture uh, Peter saying here in verse number three. He's not endorsing their uh, life of sin in their past and be like, okay, well, uh, enough of that. You know, we've had fun and uh, it's been great in our, pa- in our past, but that's enough. And now we're going to be different. He's not saying it in that sense. He's saying, look, you've done enough of that in your past and you need to do better now going forward. That's kind of the idea of verse number three. And so it's time to live for Christ. All these things that he mentions, and, and there are many lists like this uh, in God's word. I think of Revelation 21, verse eight. I think of Galatians five, verses 19 through 21, the uh, works of the flesh and many others. First uh, Corinthians chapter six, verses uh nine and following, I believe, there, there are many lists like this that show the types of things that Christians are not to be involved in. Now, I'll be honest with you. I see Christians involved in these things uh, all the time. And, and I'm not saying that I have never failed in, these, in some of these areas, because I have. But uh, we need to do better. Uh, as Peter says, enough of that. We need to do better. So he lists some of the things that Christians are not to be involved in. Lewdness. Uh, at the time of recording this, I am in the middle of a brutal heat, a brutal uh, heat wave in the summer. And, uh, you know, just going out in public, going to Walmart, what have you, there's a lot of lewdness. You know what I'm talking about? I'm talking about completely immodest apparel. Um, there's a lot of that going around, and sadly, some of that creeps its way into the church. Uh, speaking of immodest apparel... Uh, a lot of times, what is the temptation that goes with that? Lust. And so Peter says, look, enough of that. We don't need to be involved in lust. We don't need to be involved in, in the lewdness either. What about this? Drunkenness. Well, and drunkenness, not only drunkenness, but revelries, the idea of partying. How many young Christians, when they, oh, they, they get out of high school, they turn 18, they go to college, and how many young Christians involve themselves in revelries, in parties? Uh, Peter goes on to talk about drinking parties. How many do that? What about this? Abominable idolatries. Worshiping things instead of the true and living God. So uh, these are just a few examples of things that Christians are not to be involved in. I would encourage you, everyday Christians, to consider your life. And uh, if you find any of these in your life, try your best to eliminate them. I know we're not perfect, but we should be trying to eliminate these from our lives. These things are worldly. And they're, they're, they're terrible. Um, look at verse number four. In regard to these, the, the various things that he just listed, they think it's strange that you do not run with them in the same flood of dissipation, speaking evil of you. I've said it many times, and I'll say it again. I want people to think that my children are strange. I want people to think that I am strange and my wife is strange. My children... Uh, that I'm trying to raise in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. I don't get this perfect by any means, but I'm trying. Okay, They're going to be peculiar, though. They will not run with the crowd to the same dissipation of evil. They will not run with the multitude to do evil, as we read about in the book of Exodus. They're not going to do that, at least if, if I have anything to do with it. Uh, worldly people, they might speak evil. 
uh, of my children. Well, look at you. You know, you're a goody two shoes or what have you or worse. They might humiliate them in various ways. Uh, and they might do that to me. They might do that to my wife, but that's, uh, you know, that's something I'm willing to risk because, you know, I'd rather follow the Lord and, and face some humiliation and, and ridicule, uh, than find myself, you know, doing all sorts of, of sinful things with the world. First Peter two verse nine talks about, uh, being a peculiar people. Uh, certainly, uh, Titus talks about it as well, a peculiar people zealous of good works. So, uh, we need to remember that as Christians and, it's not always easy. I get that. Um, no one wants to feel weird and different, uh, but we need to remember peer pressure is a big thing, and there are lots of young people and older alike that succumb to peer pressure all the time and find themselves committing various sins because that's what the crowd does. That's what everybody else does, and we don't want to be different. No, we need to be different. Uh, Peter says it here. Certainly, Jesus demands us to be different as well. Verse number five, they will give an account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. So the next uh, few verses, we're going to have some warnings about the impending judgment. Who are the they in verse five? Well, those that speak evil of you, verse number four, worldly people, the Gentiles, as Peter puts it. And that's the idea of pagans, uh, worldly people. Peter says that they will give an account for their sinfulness on the day of judgment. John 12 and verse 48 says, He who rejects me, Jesus says, and does not receive my words, has that which judges him. The word that I have spoken will judge him in the last day. And so when the word says that we are not to be immodest, when the word says that we are not to be lewd, when the word says that we are not to lust, when the word says that we are not to commit revelries and drinking parties and abominable idolatries, and on and on we could go listing things that, the word list as downright sinful. When the word says it, we need to accept it and we need to understand that we will be judged by those things that are written in God's word. Second Corinthians 5 verse 10 says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. Someone says, oh, it doesn't matter what you do. As long as you believe in Christ, it doesn't matter what you do. That is flat out wrong. The Bible says we will be judged based on the things that we do. James 1 verse 22 says that we must be doers of the word and not hearers only. So don't fall for the lies of Satan. Uh, those that believe that all you have to do is just believe on Jesus and, and you're good to go. That is, that is not what the Bible teaches at all. Look at verse number 6 in 1 Peter 4. For this reason, the gospel was preached also to those who are dead that they might be judged according to men in the flesh, but live according to God in the spirit. That is the point of the gospel. Jesus said in Luke 5, verses 31 and 32, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Peter basically says, look, if the gospel is preached to you and you obey it and stop living according to the flesh, men will judge you. Oh, come on, you, you goody two-shoes or what have you. But who cares what men think about us? We need to live according to God in the Spirit. The world will think that we are strange for not running with the crowd to the after-parties and the drinking and the fornicating and the reveling, and etc. So what? Who cares what they think? We're saving ourselves a whole lot of 
heartache by not committing all those sinful things in this life and definitely in the next. Our soul is being saved for the day of judgment based on the life that we're supposed to be living as faithful everyday Christians. So don't worry about what the world thinks when we make stands for righteousness. Verse number seven. But the end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be serious and watchful in your prayers. Matthew 24, verse 42 says, Watch therefore, for you do not know what hour your Lord is coming. Finally, for this week, we want to look at verses 8 through 11. These are various encouragements regarding Christian attitudes. Verse number 8 says, And above all things, have fervent love for one another, for love will cover a multitude of sins. The love that we're supposed to have toward one another as Christians, it makes up for all kinds of weaknesses that we have. In the sense that, yeah, you may have done this to me, or you may have done that, but you know what? I still love you as my brother in Christ, uh, as my sister in Christ. And so that affects how I treat you, how I see you, how I'm willing to forgive you, and it should affect the way that you treat me and see me and you're willing to forgive me. We should have the right kinds of attitude of uh, love for one another so that love truly will cover a multitude of sins. First Corinthians chapter 13, just listen to the list. Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself is not puffed up, does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, is not provoked, thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth, bears or puts up with all things, believes the best in all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. That must be our attitude toward one another in the church. Verse number nine. Be hospitable to one another. And then it adds, without grumbling. Hospitality. What a great tool in our home hospitality is. It is encouraging to be hospitable, to invite people into our homes. Who cares if the home is not quite uh, as clean as it ought to be, uh, as in... Uh, in the proper state as it ought to be. Uh, maybe our home's a little disheveled, a little bit in disrepair or what have you. Who cares? Invite brethren over anyway. If your mother or your father or uh, your spouse or your cousins, even your aunts, your uncles, uh, your grandparents, your children, if they come to your house, I'm talking about family members that don't live in your house anymore or what have you, they come to your house and knock on the door, and your house isn't exactly um, in the best of shape. Uh, maybe isn't quite as clean as it ought to be. They come and knock on your door. Are they? Are you going to just slam the door in their face and be like, "No, you can't come in here"? Or are you going to go ahead and invite them in? Probably going to invite them in. Who cares what your house looks like? What about this? What about your spiritual family? Invite. Christians into your home. Get to know them. We need to be the family of God that we have to be. Who cares whether or not your house is the HGTV house, you know, the beautiful house that we see on the HGTV channels and the, the Magnolia Network and what have you. Who cares? 
invite people over, get to know them. Hospitality. So, so Peter says, be hospitable to one another. Then he adds this without grumbling. How many of us can say we've never been guilty of that? <laughs> I don't think I've ever met anybody who can say that they've never been guilty of grumbling. I love the word grumble. I don't like grumbling, but I love how the word grumble itself is one of those onomatopoeia words. It really sounds like what it is. Grumble, grumble, grumble. I'm so mad at the world. Grumble. We're not to be grumblers. Grumbling is a sin. Philippians 2 verse 14 says, Do all things without complaining or grumbling and disputing. One of the things that led the Israelites into the wilderness for 40 years was their grumbling. I think that's in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 10. It talks about that. Certainly you can read about it in uh, you know, the Pentateuch. But grumbling is absolutely sin. We are not to do it as Christians, but I, I know so many of us do. So we need to grow in that area. Look at verse number 10. As each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Peter says that our various gifts in Christ are evidence of God's grace at work in our lives. And he says we are to use those gifts, the talents that we have, to minister to others in the church as good stewards of God's grace. You show me a Christian who is working and who is active in the work of the church, using his talents to serve one another, and you will be showing me a Christian who doesn't have time get bogged down in the cares and concerns and depression and anxiety and addictions that this world has to offer to try to pull him or her away. You'll be showing me a Christian who is faithful. We need to get involved. We need to be active ministering with the various gifts that God has given us. Finally, verse number 11, as we wrap up this week, Peter writes, if anyone speaks let him speak as the oracles of God. If anyone ministers, let him do it as with the ability which God supplies, that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belong the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. What's the recurring theme in this verse? Did you catch it? Three times we find God. Let him speak as the oracles of man. No, the oracles of God. We, we preach the word, Second Peter, or Second uh, Timothy 4, verse 2. The oracles of God. Let him minister as with the ability which he supplies himself. No, the, the ability that God supplies. Again, the emphasis is on God. That in all things we may be glorified. No, that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belong the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. There's one more verse I want you to consider, and that is Ephesians chapter 3, verse 21. Ephesians 3, verse 21. I want to mention this because there is this idea, this mindset, this philosophy among many in the religious world today. Uh, they would not even like that term, the religious world, because there's this idea that is rampant that, well, I'm spiritual, but not religious. Oh, I believe in God, but I, I don't go to church. I don't, I don't need to go to church. Look at Ephesians 3, verse 21, talking about the glory that we're supposed to give God 
in that last verse in First Peter 4 that we looked at, verse 11. Notice what Ephesians 4, uh, 3, verse 21 says. To him be glory. To Christ be glory. Where? In the church. By Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Where does God receive his glory? He receives it in the church. The church was in the mind of God from the beginning. The church was purchased with Jesus' blood, Acts uh, 20 and verse 28. And so we better not disparage the church. We better not disparage involvement in the church. We need to minister according to our ability in the church. I hope that you are enjoying this wonderful study of First Peter chapter uh, 4, well, this week, but First Peter in general. I hope that you'll tune in next week as we continue our study of First Peter chapter 4. What's up, guys? It's Caleb and Michael over here from the Scattered Abroad Network, and we just wanted to say thanks so much for listening to this episode. Yeah, we're so thankful to the East Hill Church of Christ for overseeing this network, and we're grateful to God for this opportunity. And don't forget, you can check out our show notes below for all of our social media links, email address, website, and we have a monthly newsletter, so don't forget to sign up for that. Please remember to leave us a rating or a review on whatever platform it is that you use, and please continue to keep our network in your prayers. As always, thank you again so much for listening. Be ready tomorrow. We have brand new content coming out here on the SAN. Thanks so much, and God bless.